Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. This is a production of ITM Media. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the time of the year where you normally hear my Daytona Escapades. However, not this year. I watched it from the couch here in Somerville, South Carolina, along with Charlie, and I'm sure Preston did as well. Matt Beamer here, rambling about racing, along with Charlie Herkus and Preston Lou, giving you a recap of this past weekend's Daytona races at Truck Xfinity and Cup. But first and foremost, gentlemen, how's everything going? Everything's great. Oh, good to hear, man. Fresh off of a... Um full weekend of racing but at least on nascar side thank god yeah nascar and then uh you just mentioned before the show uh your sport the f1 guy is excited because uh formula one i guess is doing some preseason testing here soon uh yes f1 testing begins this week uh three straight days of it so um i'm just excited to see some kind of car some kind of action back on track you know even though it's just testing it's still it's you know it's almost like when nascar used to have the lead up to speed weeks and everything it's kind of like that you know yeah, absolutely, and and you make sure to give us a full recap of that next week because uh, I know I'm looking forward to that as well. I'll keep touch of it a little, but I'm sure you'll have a little more insight details about that. And Charlie, how's it going, man, over there in South Alabama? More so, I call it L.A. Uh, going good. I had the asphalt World Series of asphalt down in New uh, New Smyrna. Oh, nice. uh, going on as well. Uh, you know, you have Will William Byron running a couple of those. Um, and one, both of the ones that he raced in as well while he was competing in Daytona. You know, it's nice to see those guys jump back into the late models and stuff as well. But we're also trying to gear up for our race season. And I'm slowly but surely getting mine put back together. Run into a couple of issues, but got those sorted out. Nonetheless, we're getting there. Um, just 
looking forward to getting the season kicked off nonetheless. Sounds good, man. We can't wait for that. We def- I definitely look forward to that every racing season, seeing you race it there at the South Alabama Speedway. Real quick, I know, Preston, I know you're used to hearing me talk about Daytona and how it was, but I do have a quick story here. So, as most of you know who follow us on Twitter and Facebook, I posted a picture of my daughter in a onesie that said, Daddy's a little race buddy. I was so proud of that moment. But guess what she did five laps into the Daytona 500? Just she, she probably ruined it. She puked all over it. Just blah, and just okay. Well, that's unfortunate. And so I changed her into the Chase Elliott onesie that the guys from Blind Spotting gave me at the Martinsville race, and she didn't spit up on that. So I guess uh, my daughter's a Chase Elliott fan. Uh, well, she's got decent taste. Yeah, she's got taste. But my my thing is, she partied too hard before the start of the race, and now threw up and just like her mama. She can't make it. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, boy. Hey, I'm going to let you answer, Caroline, on that one because I'm not going to touch that, you know, low-hanging fruit. That's just, no, no, I'm not doing that. Next week, we should be into the ITM Media Studio. We have everything lined up. We're going to be executing all the final touches on the building. Next week, hopefully, YouTube will be back up, and we'll be streaming from the ITM Media Studio, the brand-new one here at our new house here. So hopefully next week we'll be out of the bedroom which is weird to say I'm hosting this podcast in the bedroom, but it's the only place I can right now. And we'll be in the ITM media studio before you guys know it. But question of the week from last week, Preston asked it with the gen seven card. Do you guys see a return of those go or stay or go home drivers that we've saw in the early two thousands and mainly in the Daytona 500, but a lot of other races to go home, go or go home drivers. Do we see the start of that with this gen seven car? going to start it off with Charlie on that one. I'm going to say no. You will at the restricted plate tracks, but I'm going to say no. Preston, what about you? Is your question, what do you think? I'm going to say the moment maybe no. I mean, I, I know that NASCAR has become a pretty fairly expensive sport. I mean, it always has been expensive for the most part, but I guess we kind of just have to maybe see how the re- you know how the evolution and the rest of the season kind of plays out to, you know, for teams like that to think maybe they have a chance to come almost every single week. Or if, you know, more people, because, you know, like we said, like I said before, NASCAR is kind of saying that, like, maybe this Gen 7 car will kind of help start to maybe level the playing field a little bit. I mean, of course, everyone's going to be cutting corners, you know, in different areas to, you know, to get an advantage on everybody else. But if it's going to kind of help, you know, bring things a little bit closer, maybe maybe teams find funding. I, I don't know. I, just, I guess I didn't really think it through very much. I just, I think NASCAR's it's just become too expensive a sport. But if this is supposed to help with costs as well, maybe we see some returns. But I guess we just kind of have to wait to see how the evolution, I guess you could say, plays out. Well, you got 40 spots and you got 36 charters. I, I think with the charter system, you, you've eliminated the go or go home because you got 36 guarantees. So I, I think the charter system has taken that out of, out of play altogether. You get rid of the charter system with the new car, Maybe you you see that starting to take place more often, um, but I think with the whole the, the charters and stuff like that, when you're guaranteeing 36 of the 40 spots every week, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I'm with Charlie on that one. With the charter system in place, with those 36 teams guaranteed a spot, I mean, and sometimes that's all you get in the race: 36 teams and 36 drivers onto the track. Maybe if you're lucky, a couple more drivers here and there, but you don't get that many. Like maybe, for instance, Las Vegas, we'll see 34 cars on track, 36 cars on track. 
40 is to max. That doesn't mean you can't have less. Good question, nonetheless, Preston. I, I just don't see it happening like it was back in the day where you could bring up an old Arca car and put it into the show and attempt to race your way in or drive your way in on time. I don't see that happening anymore. I think those days are long gone in the world of NASCAR, especially at the cup level. But anything else to add before that or for that question? That's a good question, Preston. I just don't. I'm with Charlie and you on that one. I just don't see that happening. Anything else? I have a question that if, you know, maybe we could ask at the end is another question of the week or uh, it's just kind of like a a, a thought kind of thing that I kind of noticed over the weekend, I guess you could say. Oh, I guess yeah, we could bring that up. At the question of the week, there at the end of the show, Preston. We could, or we could, or I could just or, bring want, it up now. I mean, it doesn't matter. You want to bring it up now, Charlie? Sure. What is it? Yeah, what's the question? So, after watching the duels last week, do the duels really matter anymore? Are they really, is there really a point even having them at this point anymore? Because, you know, now with the charter system and everything like that, I mean, we saw in each duel that only one driver race their way in and it was only between them and another guy anyways having to race their way in so it kind of feels like what's the point of the duels to begin with i think that's a fair question no it is i'm gonna say yes um the duels do matter only because you have cars like we'll just say hendrick cars um as opposed to the fords and stuff like that um the hendrick cars have blistering fast single car speed but put them in a pack and they're just not as fast out there in the drafts. Then when it comes to qualifying for these big restrictor plate races, the Daytona, or we'll just say the 500, um, because that's really all the duels related to. You have some of these, either you qualify or go home cars. You may go out there and not qualify as well, but you have a really good car to race with. And I think that's where the duels come in effect and help some of these go or go home teams. I would have to say, instead of doing the single-car qualifying runs to set the field for the duels and have the front row get locked in, have the winner of one duel who led the most laps, let's say, get the pole, and then the winner of the other duel fin- uh, start on the outside row. That, that would be kind of my thing with it, but I see Preston's point to that. The duels kind of made no sense. I mean, I'm glad the racing on Sunday wasn't like the duels. The duels were very boring, but I, I'm glad just that the... Racing was there, but I see Preston's point. You know, it's just it just after seeing it, I kind of just thought that it seemed to be more of like a a glorified practice session. And I'm not trying to knock it because with a new car this year, they probably needed more of that time because, like we saw in some practices, there wasn't really a whole lot of pack running. It was usually just like teams running together. So like Hendrick was running, or like you know the Toyota teams of Joe Gibbs and uh, 2311 were all running together in practices. You never actually got the the bigger you know pack of cars. So I guess I guess more it felt more of like a glorified practice session. But you know when you only have one spot that gets to transfer and it's just between two guys. I mean, what's the what's the point in all the others? You know what I'm saying? It's just how many cars teams have, you know, together already or how everything works like that. But if, if we're kind of in an unknown at this point of how much equipment is already out there, why, you know, risk wrecking a car like that in a duels that, you know, if we're already kind of short on a lot of things. Yeah, and I can see the point of the duels back, 20 years ago where there were the 60 cars for a 43 car field and then having 12 cars try to race their way in for three four spots per race i could see that point but 
to your point, Preston, for two cars, kind of everybody keeping their eye on, and Kaz Growler getting his way in, barely just over J.J. Yelly there, just passing him with on the final lap. Didn't even know it. I didn't even know it until the commentators pointed it out. But I, that's a good point, Preston. I think that could be taken to the bank there. That, and By the way, that wasn't the question of the week. That happens at the end of the show. But that's a, another point Preston brought up. Really do appreciate you bringing that up. But anything else before we get into the Trux Xfinity and tr- Cup races from Daytona? No, I'm good. All right. Before we continue on with the episode, I wanted to remind everybody out there about our online stores at Bonfire and Teespring. There you can find the latest and greatest rambling about racing skiers, such as t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, pint glasses, hats, and so much more to show everybody, whether you're at your local short track or the big stage of NASCAR Formula One, that you are an avid fan and listener of Rambling About Racing. Charlie, it doesn't get any better than that. No, it absolutely doesn't, Matt. And to make it even better, now through the end of February, you can get 15% off if you go to the store and use promo code CLASH that in is honor a- of the Bush Clash coming up this Sunday. Man, that is such a great idea, Charlie. 15% off from now to the end of February on both Teespring and Bonfire using discount code CLASH for 15% off. Links will be in the podcast description below. Or if you head over to ramblingaboutracing.com, under the stores tab there, you can find the link to the stores. Go check them out. And all purchases help out uh, help us out here at Rambling About Racing, bring you better content in the future. And, hey, you look good in it as well. So 15% off from now to the end of February using discount code CLASH. So we're going to start off with the truck race here. Zane Smith is your winner in the truck series. And it looked like just a John Hunter Nemechek show up to the point where Zane Smith won. John Hunter Nemechek won stage one and stage two, but ended up in an accident and finishing 24th, which was unfortunate. But how about Zane Smith? And and Charlie, you and I watched the race together via FaceTime. What do you think of the race? And Preston, I don't know if you watched it, but we'll get your thoughts on it as well. You no, know, I thought it was a pretty good race. I, I've always enjoyed watching the truck series races. They seem like they just battle it out a lot more than what the other series do. Now I know they they actually brought a I think they actually brought a different body package to the coming into this year as well. So they you know it's kind of new to them this year a little bit. But yeah, overall, I thought it was a pretty good race. You know, at one point in time, of course, just like everybody else, they got out there, kind of single filed it, and rode around for a while. But you know, that's that's to be expected at, at restricted plate tracks at this point in time. But nonetheless, uh, good race. I, I really got nothing nothing bad to say. Hate <clears throat> hate hate to see Grant get caught up in it. Kind of kind of pulling for him after after the back and forth of what happened last year with him kind of piecing together a, a season. And I, I didn't realize that he missed Daytona last year. And if it wasn't for him missing Daytona last year, he pieced together the rest of the season and would have made the playoffs by piecing together the season and stuff last year. So just glad to see him actually have a full ride in one team this year. Yeah, Grant, anything that looked strong until that accident took him out. That's Daytona. A lot of good drivers from three series got caught up in wrecks. It was crazy just to see the evolution of that throughout the course of the weekend. But Preston, what do you think of the truck series race? I thought it was a, a very good race. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I always enjoy watching truck series racing. 
congratulations to Zane Smith. It was pretty cool to see uh, Front Row get a win in the Truck Series. So looks like they're off to a pretty good start, to say the least, in the season. But yeah, overall, just good race. I, I, I always enjoy Truck Series racing. Yeah, I do as well. And it was it was a lot of fun watching the the trucks. I'm, I'm with Charlie here. The trucks have made it more of a fun show for me in the past few seasons, vice the Cup race especially since I started this, we started this podcast, Preston, that we could watch all three series and the more I watch it, the more enjoyable it is. The truck series race, it was a great race. Zane Smith won it, and I thought that was going to kick off a front row dominance of that, of Daytona this season, Preston. I was kind of thinking about you when he won. It's like, oh boy, here we go again. But it wasn't meant to be for <laughs> anybody. We'll get more into that in our 500 review. Going to the Xfinity race, I'd say a little more exciting then the Truck Series race, Austin Hill ended up winning the race as a rookie coming up from the Truck Series into the Xfinity Series. But Daytona this weekend has just been a rookie-dominated, for lack of better words, weekend. A lot of guys coming up to different series did very well, and, and Austin Hill was no exception to that in the Xfinity Series. I am watched the race again with Charlie via FaceTime, and I think Charlie and I were thinking Almondinger is going to line them up and teach a rookie or something, but he didn't. Charlie and Preston, we're going to start off with you. Xfinity Series, what do you think of it? Probably slightly better race than truck. It was great overall, honestly, and yeah, it, what a bummer for AJ Almendinger. I mean, this guy, I, I can't, they, 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 they came up with a stat, I can't remember how many times he had been passed on the last lap before at Super Speedways, but again, it, it haunts him once again. He gets passed. Big heartbreaker for him, but Austin Held, congrats to him as well. I mean, just, just overall great weekend of racing in general. Speaking of heartbreaks, Myatt Snyder, holy cow. That accident there on the backstretch was just one for the ages. It'll go. It'll be in the replays of the Daytona, what's it called, the the hype videos for the next year, next season's race or the next race coming up for the Xfinity Series at Daytona. Yeah, Myatt Snyder going up into that fence and... Catchman's doing his job, and unfortunately, Michael Jordan got a front a good taste of what NASCAR racing is and how intense it can be over there in the camping section. It was crazy, too, because my mother-in-law was here. My dad came by to see my daughter. It just all went kapooey there, and everybody was just, oh, my gosh, and, and just kind of really hit him, like how much, how dangerous and how exciting NASCAR can be. But what your thoughts on that or just a racing incident? I think it was. I think it was just a, a racing incident completely nobody's fault it happens now weird spot because it happened going down the back straightaway usually you see that in the corners or in the trial but that just happened kind of middle of the back straightaway almost right i mean it pure snatched the engine out of it the engine went rolling down the back straightaway yeah uh, engine, that was crazy engine and rear end i mean that was just yeah. so much violent. Uh, that was a violent wreck yeah, it definitely was. But to see him just get out and walk away like it was nothing was, was something else. So overall, though, I, you know, Xfinity was definitely a, a good race. I uh, enjoyed watching it. Um, I agree with Preston. Thought it was slightly better than the truck race. Had a lot of action in it. You know, not going to just beat a dead horse on that. Just great race. So Austin Hill showed up and showed out. He did, and, and kudos to him of rookie winning it. And speaking of rookies winning it, Daytona 500 rookie Austin Sindrick gets it done in the two, number two Penske Ford, something that Brad Keselowski couldn't do. 
which was just mind-blowing to me that he got out there and not only got out there but blocked his teammate Ryan Blaney to win. But when you're coming down to the checkered flag for the Daytona 500, you'd block anybody to get that trophy and that prestigious victory. Austin Sindrick winning the Daytona 500. First of all, impressions on that because I thought it was an amazing drive. He was up there all day. Pinsky showed it speed during speed weeks, I feel, in qualifying and everything, and he did it. Rookie Austin Sindrick winning the Daytona 500. Fords were going to be the manufacturer to beat, hands down. They didn't necessarily, you know, have speed in the single cars, but once you put them uh, in the draft, the Fords are hard to beat. So they showed it on Sunday. They they were out front all day. They could just hook up and, and push and just drive by people. I mean, it, it was hard to beat them. But, yeah, Cedric was up front all day, kept himself clean, and was there when it mattered. Preston, what were your thoughts on Austin Cindric winning the Daytona 500 this year? I thought he did a, a, an incredible drive, to be honest. And like like Charlie alluded, the Fords were going to be the manufacturer to beat, and they they proved that almost nearly all day long. And I mean, kudos to Austin for keeping up in front most of the time. All the Fords were doing well. Ryan Blaney was up there. You know, you saw front row was up there. Todd Gilliland, you got to give it to Todd Gilliland until he got in that wreck. He was keeping it clean most of the day, and he was he was working his way back to the front. I mean, it was just an overall kind of a dominating performance by Ford until, you know, until we got to the end, you know. And then you saw the guys of like Ricky Stenhouse who said, you know, we'll just work with just about anybody, which is what it should come down to, honestly. It's, you know, whoever's going to work with you, that that's it. It, it. All bets are out the window when it comes, in my opinion, would be, you know, out the window in terms of working with whatever manufacturer you're working with. You should just work with whoever you can find at that point. What a drive by, you know, Cindric to hold off. I mean, it looked like a late charge by a lot of people at the, at the last second, you know, on that last restart when, you know, it was that four car breakaway. I was like, oh boy, you know, that's, that's not a good setup. <laughs> I don't like the way that looks, but great job in general by him, by Penske, Ford, everybody. Unless you were watching it, you wouldn't know Cindric won, unfortunately, because according to all the media, everybody only knows who finished second. Which is something that blows me away, and we're going to talk about this for a minute, I feel. Bubba Wallace finishes second in the Daytona 500. For the second time, I believe his first time finishing second was, what, 2016, 2017, if I'm not mistaken? Somewhere around there when he was driving for a Petty Motorsports. But when Bubba Wallace finished second... nobody cared then, but now, after the whole... Well, we won't go there, but... I have never seen so much media attention over someone who finished second. No kidding. You know, usually second is the first loser. You don't want to finish second. I mean, what kind of did it for me is his interview was like, man, I'm so close, should have had it. And then he gets on Twitter saying, does Penske have a tire issue to disqualify them? You know, or will yeah. issue that did that. And yeah, I don't know if let's, 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 let's take the win away from him. Right. And I think it was more of a joke, but at the same time, if he was more humble about it, I'm sure 90% of the people in the plan for kind of like, yeah, I mean, if you show a little humility, I'm sure you not winning a Daytona 500, you're like, oh, man, you'll get him next time. I know I would be. I just never seen that much media attention over even Fox News and CNN. And, I mean, everybody's saying, oh, Bubba Wallace finishes second in the Daytona 500. It's like, well, what about the rookie who just won the Daytona 500 in Austin Cindric? Yeah. You know, I unfortunately that's the world we live in these days, and, and that's really unfortunate. I've, I've just, I'm with Charlie on this one. I have never seen so much press coverage over someone who finished second in the Daytona 500 or any race for that matter. I, I mean, nobody remembers the guy who finishes second, 
quick Preston, who finished second in the 2002 Daytona 500? I don't know. But who won <laughs> Who won the 2002 Daytona 500? Was that Ward Burns here? It was Ward Burnin who won yeah. that race. No, nobody remembers the guy who finishes second ever. It's always the guy who finishes first. And now all of a sudden we have this bubble over Bubba Wallace, which I think does it more harm than good in the sport. I mean, of course, you're not going to see anybody on Twitter bashing him. Heaven forbid somebody bashes Bubba Wallace on Twitter or social media in general. Then you're just, yeah. a, then you're just not calling it like you see it. If you praise the guy for finishing second, then that's a whole nother thing. And I, I guess that's that's the praise we get. You know, I heard I saw somewhere someone said, give that guy a participation trophy just so he could stop complaining. And that's kind of the way it is now. I have my theories about it, but I, I won't say anything about it because it just it'll sound ridiculous. It'll raise a lot of stupid questions, but I think it all stems from Talladega a couple of years ago. That's all I got to say. It does, but at the same time, I, I got this article up right now, Crazy for NASCAR. It's a Facebook page. If you're interested in NASCAR, give it a look. And it says this, Bubba Wallace opened up the 2002 NASCAR Cup Series season with a runner finish at the Daytona 500. And a lot of people say, who cares? Who really cares about that? And I think a lot of people should stand up for what they, I mean, they're pushing this guy so hard that it's just kind of one of those things where. It is. I mean, I've never seen the publicity for somebody who is not, I mean, nowhere above mediocre. I mean. Just I, I don't I don't get it I, I don't I now, have no words now now Charlie if he was an actual like contender every week and he was a good driver and I think most importantly if he was a humble driver it's rare, rare to see drivers humble I feel it is rare I'd have a completely different outlook on you it. know you probably have a completely different outlook on the guy you know I I like and, you know in a way I like and NASCAR could push it NASCAR could do what they're doing right now but and the way he takes it would would be if if he would be different would be completely would would make me look at it completely different but just the past few years with him in general has just has has ruined me and boy i mean he is he's just taking it all in he has taken it and he has ran with it you know, you know and, I, and and mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Weird, weird thing is, I, I want to like Bubba Wallace. I've said it many times on the show, Preston. You remember? I've said it many times. I want to like Bubba Wallace, but the position he puts himself in, and instead of saying, you know, he did congratulate, congratulate Austin on the win. And, of course, naturally, I think if, you're gonna, if you finish second in Daytona 500 and someone throws a microphone in your face, you're not going to be like, oh, man, we finished second. We'll get him next time. It's just going to be like, bummer, you know? But he did congratulate him. But then he got on Twitter saying, hey, are those wheels legal there? 
for Team Penske? Come on, man. Don't take that away from Austin Cindric. Don't take that away from Team Penske. Yeah. I mean, has Team Penske, they've won the Daytona 500 with Joey Logano, but I've, they've never done it in the two car. Yeah. And, you know, that's a big deal for Roger Penske. You know, one of the top team owners in the history of not just NASCAR, but all of motorsports. And I, I just don't see how that's actually helping the sport. It's toxic. It's got to be toxic for everybody else in that garage too. Yeah. Not just, not just the fans. Yeah, and heaven forbid. So, and, and you know, they're you know they have to be. Well, I, I don't use the term censored, but I don't know another word to use for it. You, you know, you know they. Not everybody feels the same way. Uh, you know, they want to speak out about it, but they can't. Surely, all the drivers just. I, I, I just, I don't know how I'm trying to put it in a way that just doesn't sound so negative and just out of the way. It, it, but it's tough to with Bubba Wallace. When you talk about Bubba Wallace, it's a very sensitive subject for either side of the fence you guys are on. If you're for Bubba Wallace, you you just be saying, are you bashing Bubba Wallace because he's the only black driver in NASCAR and that's not it. There have been many black drivers that come into the sport. Bill Lester came into the sport in the early 2000s when I was watching it starting out. And I was like, oh, man, this is cool. But he didn't make a big deal and fuss out of everything. To, um, who was the other guy? Fukushima? Something like that. The first Japanese-born racer to race in NASCAR. And that was really cool. But uh, it's just something about Bubba, man. And I really want to like the guy. But he's just, you know, after that tweet, man, it was more the tweet that did it for me. It's like I can understand the interview. I've heard a lot of crazy interviews in my 20 years of watching NASCAR, but after that tweet, him saying, and I, I got it right here, I don't they got them illegal wheels? Come on, man. And he's taking the loss very well, I could say. And yeah. Not only Bubba Wallace, but let's see here. Chase Briscoe had a chance to win the Daytona 500, didn't say anything negative. Ryan Blaney, who got blocked by Austin Sendrick, didn't say anything. Eric Almirola in his final Daytona 500, didn't say anything negative. All congratulatory, eh, oh well, everybody except Eric Amarola, we'll get him next year. We got next year. Well, Preston, what do you think, man? Do I think he's kind of a mediocre driver like Charlie says? Absolutely. He's not that good. You know, that's my two cents there. <laughs> I, I feel like if you judge any driver based on their driving habits and their driving stuff, and I think NASCAR fans look at drivers like, can I relate to them? And Charlie, you were a big Dale Earnhardt Jr. fan for many years and because you could relate to the guy. I couldn't stand him as a driver, but as a person, he's grown to me, grown on to me more and more so listening to his podcast and stuff, seeing kind of how humble he is. But I think, you know, a lot of people look at drivers who aren't fans. Of, you know, I'm a big Kozlowski fan, and you could tell me all day, Kozlowski wrecked half to field this weekend. And I probably say, you're not wrong, but he, you know. Yeah, I was going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah, but he won't. You know, you won't see him come out and go, they deserved it. They need to learn how to drive. He, he, right. he does. He doesn't shift the blame. He kind of takes it on his shoulders. So he's an aggressive driver, and it shows on play tracks, and he's very successful on play tracks. And unfortunately, this weekend, it was just Kozlowski wrecking the field. You could say overly aggressive or not, but you look at a driver who whose attitude, I think is more so attitude with Bubba. And I didn't want to go down the rabbit hole on this, but it's something that was just there, and Charlie brought it up, and good good on him because he, he, he can bring it up, that Bubba Wallace's attitude throughout the course of the race weekend, or more so after the race, was just uncalled for. Him tweeting that stuff out, 
you know, if he would have won the Daytona 500, he would have won the Daytona 500. He would have deserved it because he, he was running very well throughout the course of the day. But I think just his post-race interview didn't get to me as much as what he tweeted out afterwards. And I think that's all we're going to say about that. Bubba Wallace, I mean, once we get on the topic about Bubba Wallace here, it just seems to go down a rabbit hole. But to Charlie's cue right there, Brad Kozlowski, I'm going to start off with you, Preston. Brad Kozlowski, was he too aggressive this Sunday at the 500, or is that just Brad Kozlowski? I don't know. It's kind of hard to, I don't know. For some reason, I kind of have a hard time answering this one. It seemed like he was a little too aggressive at times. And then sometimes it may have not. So like, okay. So for in the example of Ricky Stenhouse, I think it uh, was it Ricky. Yeah. Ricky Stenhouse. No, it wasn't Ricky Stenhouse. Who was somebody he was behind that would look Tyler Reddick. I think it was Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick was already kind of getting loose off a certain force. So like, uh, it's kind of hard to tell there, but yeah, he may have been aggressive at times and then he may have just been kind of in the wrong place to make it look like he was being aggressive. So I think that's just kind of super speedway racing. Right. But, I mean, Keselowski did seem like he was kind of in a hurry at times. So, well, I mean, let's take, yes and no. Yeah, let's take the Harrison Burden accident. He was pushing Harrison Burden when that accident happened off of turn two. Harrison Burden then went upside down, just kind of turtled for a little bit, and then came back on all four wheels. And I was listening to Keselowski's scanner, and he said, I did not mean to do that. I, I feel so bad about that. And I don't think he pushed him with the intention of wrecking Harrison Burden and taking that rookie out who could have very easily taken Austin Cindric's place and winning the Daytona 500, I feel. But what it was, because I mean, everybody just started bashing Kozlowski. Then it happened again. I forget exactly what point of the race, Charlie. Refresh my memory if you can. But it happened again where Kozlowski was pushing someone and then it triggered another wreck. You know, he's he just... Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly uh, which point that is uh, either. You know, if you if you were to ask me the same question that you asked Preston, I, I would say definitely overly aggressive, in my opinion, especially when he had the car that he had. He had a good car. I get that he didn't want to be mid-pack or towards the back, but he also had a car to get to the front, and he, he probably could have showed a lot more patience. I'll let you kind of give your opinion, but I'll, I'll touch on something else after that as well my opinion definitely over aggressive what's the next point of topic that you saw during this sunday's daytona 500 i know it's just some comments like towards you know people calling keselowski out and stuff like that um you know stenhouse not being happy with him after the race and stuff like that but it's kind of the pot calling the kettle black on that one because Stenhouse has wrecked a whole lot of people. Yes, he has. Uh, <laughs> so just kind of funny to me on that one. But that's just because Stenhouse had a, a legit shot at winning the 500 as well. But just funny. And, and when you look at the field during this Sunday's Daytona 500 with the new Gen 7 car, I think everybody really had a shot to win the Daytona 500. I, I know Michael McDowell was up there. You mentioned yeah, Gra- uh, Noah Gregson was in the top 10 at one point. Todd Gilliland was up there. A lot of drivers had a legitimate shot of winning the Daytona 500, which is something you really don't see except with the introduction of a new car, which we had here on Sunday. And with the introduction of the new car, we saw what I feared to see, and that was wheel failures, most notably on Kaz Grala's car that lost the wheel entirely. Now, does NASCAR going to throw this to you Preston and then to Charlie does NASCAR go back to the drawing board on there and re-engineer it or do they say what happened and how do we fix it or and does the team get a pass on that because to be honest with you you wouldn't have seen that back in the old day with the 
five lug nuts on the car. Kind of hard to say. I think NASCAR just, I think we just move on and just see what happens the next week. I don't, I don't know. I don't think NASCAR completely goes back to a drawing board and changes it. There might just be some minute things that maybe could be changed somehow. But also at the same time, I think, you know, you have to kind of use the season as kind of a learning curve. So I think NASCAR is just going to kind of maybe wait it out and let's see, let's see what happens. Because there was a couple other things that kind of got me too. It's not just the wheel failures, failures. You know, with like when Joey Logano was in that accident where he got turned around and he had the two. You know, he had flat tires on one side. Like the car looked like it got stuck all of a sudden. You know, like he couldn't move. Was the car? Do the cars for super speedways? Are the cars running riding too low, or is that you know the diffuser under the back end? Is that causing a problem to where like if your tires go flat, you just can't go anywhere? You know, the, I think it's just kind grass. of. Yeah, he was in the grass, and I don't know exactly what happened. No, it wasn't just in the grass. It was when he got back on pavement, too, because he had to be pushed at one point. And that's, uh, I was wondering that, why the car seemed like they were sitting way lower than usual, which I can understand because it's a speed, super speedway, don't get me wrong, but like I'm saying, I think it's just kind of, NASCAR just has to use it as a learning curve as we go on. I don't think it's not just the, the tire failures in general. I think it'll be other things as well. You know, and seeing that, I think this was a big learning curve for not only the teams, but for NASCAR and their Gen 7 car. It was just one of those things where... I was expecting to see a wheel come flying off. I wasn't expecting to see two wheel failures during the course of the race. And I know Ryan Blaney for there for a little bit, his right rear tire, he, they couldn't get the tire off. So I, I think this is going to be more of a prevalent issue to our last week's episode where we talked about the road courses and the heating of the wheels and everything like that. And it, it just the, the lug nut seizing on there. But I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see on that one because it, it is going to be an interesting I think I think NASCAR is going to have to be fluid with this, and the, and they're going to have to understand that it isn't necessarily the team's fault when a component fails on that car. Well, yeah, you know, to your point, maybe we will have to wait and kind of see as we go because, like you, like you said, with Shades of Monaco, you know, constant braking uh, at Daytona, you don't really see a whole lot of that. I mean, unless you're kind of dragging the brake whenever you need to back up to somebody, but I guess we just kind of ha- you have to wait until you get to certain other tracks where there's going to be a lot of heavy braking. Now, in terms of Auto Club, there's not really a whole lot of heavy braking coming up either, so I don't know where we'd see the next heavy, more so heavy braking track i'm not really sure it probably won't we probably won't really get our true test until a road course so say it's just one of those things that nascar has to keep an eye on and we'll just we'll i guess maybe we'll see when we get to that point i don't know (laughs) yeah and apparently the the loose lug nut penalty incurred for that team of uh floyd mayweather's team a four race suspension for the crew chief and two crew members so right off the gate nascar handing down those penalties that we talked about a couple weeks ago so now over the lug nut thing over the lug nut thing i guess that would probably be reasons to why it seemed like some of the pit stops kind of started to get a little bit slower as time went on i right. guess they're just yeah. trying to make sure they're getting it correct yeah well also the you know, with the pit stops being slower, they slowed the fuel down. Like they slowed the, they slowed how fast the fuel goes into the car. So I heard them talking about that. Uh, for whatever reason, I, I don't know, but right. they've actually they slowed how fast the fuel goes into the car, even though we're now changing tires faster. So I, I'm not not exactly sure why yeah. that is. It is what it is there. Yeah, and I heard something about that too. And it's like, well, if the rate if the they slowed down the fuel going into the car. Why not, instead of changing two tires, change all four? Elevate your pit stop to the point where you can change four tires to the time that you put two cans of fuel in the car. 
I don't know. That's why I'm not a pit crew coach or anything like that. Moving on from the lug nuts, from the wheels. Overall, how did everybody enjoy the Daytona 500? I thought it was good. You know, a lot of side-by-side racing. Overall, pretty good debut for the for the next-gen car, or at least I thought it was. Not a lot of tire wear, to be honest with yeah. you. I mean, for the most part, they only took right sides the whole time. Now, we may see something different coming up to the coming to Auto Club or, or you know, whatever, because uh, they may show up with a different compound or, or whatnot. You know, tire wear really wasn't a wasn't an issue and just didn't make a didn't make a big difference but nonetheless i thought all three races really had some some pretty good racing so i enjoyed it good weekend all right what about you preston great race overall and you know it, it had a little bit of everything you know you still had you know for some people some people like to see the wrecks and of course there were wrecks in there and you know we got kind of everything that i was kind of expecting you know which was it came down to issues with cars whether it was tire problems or you know when uh we had accidents and you know axles just completely looking like they were breaking but i think it was just from hard hits but not just that you know we saw a couple times where you know restarts where you have the two guys get way out in front right away and it was like oof you know that's not that's not a good thing but it was still a lot of great side-by-side action and then you had your times where we were single file for a little bit, which kind of seems to be coming the norm at Daytona at some or super speedways in general, where there's just this weird period of time, however, how many laps it could be in the middle of race where we're just single file for a little bit. And it's like, all right, what are we doing here? To me, it seemed like when we got single file racing, whenever it was time to go and start forming up lines to get back to the front, it seemed like the lines were able to form quicker and get to the front quicker than we've seen in past years before so i feel like maybe the car it had to do with the car but overall i thought it was a great race i mean i'm it was nice to have racing back i would probably think that the cup series race was probably my favorite out of the weekend honestly i'm curious to see how everything goes down next week yeah. i think next weekend we get our true test of how these cars will really operate in general across the whole spectrum. Yep, I, I completely agree. I think next week will be the biggest text test for the Gen 7 car in actual unrestricted racing conditions to see if the racing is closer like NASCAR they want to see out of this car. This weekend's race, though, to Charlie's point, a great introduction to the Gen 7 car. I, was, I had my reservations about it after watching the dual races. The big thing for me, I, I didn't see any tandem racing. I didn't see two cars taking off and going ahead of everybody. I, I was glad I didn't see that. The field was pretty much in a whole pack at, at one time, two by two, pretty much the whole whole way. The cars stood up to the accidents. William Byron hit the wall head on in the backstretch, and the car held up well. We saw Harrison Burnham flip, or more so go upside down and then come back a right way. He didn't do a crazy barrel rolls down the backstretch. The car held up well. Harley, Harrison Burden's just looking out on Twitter. Harley looked like he was in an accident at all. But a good introduction to the Gen 7 car. A good start to the 2022 Cup Series season, and as well as expanding the truck. But I, I thought it was a good race. I thought I was really exciting there at the end. For the first time in a couple of years, uh, it wasn't impeded by weather, so it ended at a pretty decent time. I'm, I'm glad everybody enjoyed it. But real quick, before we get into our final thoughts, and this week in NASCAR and Question of the Week, the race of the weekend for each of you, I think Preston already said the Cup Series won that one. Is that correct, Preston? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's correct. All right, Cup Series for Preston. Charlie, what about you? The race of the weekend. Overall, I'll probably go with, I'm going to go into Xfinity race. 
All right. And why is that? Overall, more excitement, more racing throughout the race in general. All right. Fair enough. I, I thought, although those two were good, I'm going to have to go against every uh, both of you and say the truck series was the race of the weekend for me. It was it was a great race overall. I, I do like the truck series. And I, I think all three of us, for the first time in the history of the show, have three different opinions and races of the weekend. But looking forward to the next weekend's races, we're going to go ahead and tell you where the, where you can catch those here right now. The Cup Series will be running uh, Sunday, February 27th at Auto Club Speedway at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Fox. The Xfinity Series will run Saturday, February 26th at 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on FS1. And the Truck Series will be off until Las Vegas. March 4th will be the Truck Series race. But anything else until we, before we get into our final thoughts and wrap up the show? Nope. Nope. All right. Before we wrap up today's episode, I wanted to remind everyone out there about our partnership with Fanatics. Fanatics is a proud sponsor of Burns Radio, which we here at Ramblin' About Racing are a proud affiliate with. Fanatics, you can find all your latest and greatest NASCAR gears to get you ready for this coming up season, such as t-shirts, hoodies, hats, diecast, and so much more. But you don't only have to stop in there and buy NASCAR gear. I get all my latest and greatest Washington Capitals gear from there. Yeah, not only do you get hockey gear and stuff like that, I go in there, that's where I get all my Alabama Crimson Tide gear. Yeah, that's right. Roll Tide, man. It's a one-stop shop for all your sports gear needs, no matter what sports you're interested in. All purchases help out. Burns Radio bring you latest and greatest content and keep us on the air to bring you guys that content through the radio. If you head over to ramblingaboutracing.com under our Partners tab, there you will find the link to Fanatics. Take you right there. Go do your shopping there for this upcoming racing season or for whatever sports you want. Go check them out. White flag, white flag, white flag. One lap to go. One lap right here. Final thoughts here on this Daytona wrap-up of Rambling About Racing. We kind of got caught up on Bubba Wallace there for a minute, a lot longer than I thought, but I think it needed to be said. But I feel like every time we talk about Bubba Wallace, we're just beating the dead horse here on the show. Does anybody else agree with me? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I completely I, agree. It just caught me off guard with this Daytona 500 miss, too. So, you know, with it being yeah. as big a race as what it is. Yeah, just don't take it away from the other guys if you can. I mean, I get it. Yeah. Emotions are high, but it is what it is. It's Bubba Wallace, I feel, being Bubba Wallace. What can you do? I really know things to up. Oh, no, we do have one thing to talk about here. Rambling about racing's fantasy league. It isn't in the Marbles 2.0 anymore. It is rambling about racing now in the Marble League. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna. I can't believe I said that. Uh, it is rambling about racing, formerly known as In the Marbles 2.0, and we got our first standings after Daytona, gentlemen. And I'm gonna read them off to you right now. Z Cleave Seven wins the Daytona race with 186 points. Summer Racing finishing second with 170. SMR R&D, which is our defending two-time champion, Maples, 167. 43 and me, 160. Preston, good job, buddy. SMR Operations, 158 points. Chuck, 83, 84, 156 points, finishing in sixth place. S Blades, 145 points. I finished. I ended up finishing eighth in that race, 138 points. Smoking Woody, 132. Bun 3, 129, tied with Matt Camper there with 129. And... 
Super Sumo 32, 108 points. We had a couple more that didn't decide to show up. Shake and Bake and Unhinged Racing, which was Jim there for Burns Radio. Didn't show up, but hey, Charlie, you missed last year's Daytona 500 and held on pretty decently throughout the year. Still time. Yeah. Go follow our social media on Facebook and Twitter if you want to catch what we if you want to join up on the league. Again, that's for a $100 Amazon gift card, but great start to the season. Don't worry, guys. I'm going to get you coming up here in Auto Club. I think I'm going to jump right to the top. I, I'm full of it. I'm, there's no way. And I got to go. I got to go. Okay, bud. Well, Preston's got to go. fire. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Preston's got to fire. Be safe, buddy. Uh, hopefully, it's uh, everybody's okay with that. And I guess Charlie and I will just finish up the show here on that one. This weekend, that, that, was, that was pretty dramatic. That's why I don't do the show at work, you know, Charlie? Well, hopefully Preston's okay. I'm sure next week he'll tell us all about it. But for this week in NASCAR, February 20th, 2000, Dell Jarrett exercises patience to grab his third Daytona 500 victory. After following Johnny Benson for 50 miles, Jarrett makes a decisive pass with four laps to go to beat Jeff Burton. That was weird, worded weird, I feel, from the NASCAR history book. What, what are we going to say? 22 years ago, on February 20th, Dale Jarrett wins his third Daytona 500. And, Charlie, do you have a question of the week? All right, so our question of the week is going to be, in your opinion, what is the greatest motorsport event of all time? Ooh, good question. And I take it that's not just NASCAR specific, but that's for It is not. So this one might even Ooh. cause some controversy on the show. I like it. Between myself and our F1 guy. I think this is going to cause a lot of controversy and, and a lot of a great discussion at the start of next week's episode. Man, that's awesome. Good, good question. So what is the best motorsports racing event of all time? I like it. That was uh, this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thanks for all of our new Twitter followers. We got into quite a bit of them throughout the course of the episodes here, but I really do appreciate it if you follow and make sure to listen and like and rate the podcast if you don't mind. If you haven't done so already, make sure to give us a rating to see, give us a good gauge on how we're doing here. But, Charlie, anything else before we wrap it up here, man? Thanks for showing up today. Really do appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. And, no, I, I got nothing else to add. Um, looking forward to next week. Yep. We'll see how Auto Club Speedway goes. Yeah, really looking forward to Auto Club Speedway. First time since the year 2000 that Auto Club is on the schedule and can't wait for that. It should be a lot of fun. And, Charlie, if you got nothing else, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. I'd like to thank everybody so much for tuning in to us this week here at Rambling About Racing. Make sure to head over to ramblingaboutracing.com for links to all of our social media platforms. Make sure to give us a follow and like if you don't mind. And, again, rate the podcast. It just show us how good we're doing and or how bad we're doing. It's just up to you, whatever you want to give us. A uh, special shout-out to our uh, partners here at the show stand up to cancer and fanatics for all they do not only for here us here at rambling about racing but for the burns radio network as well for charlie herc is chuck 8384 on twitter preston lude who's currently out of fire right now p underscore luda on twitter i'm matt beamer and beamer 22 on twitter stay safe and have a good rest of the week and we'll see you after fontana
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 